Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. do our reading now, our Bible reading, uh, before I hand over to Marika, who's going to to preach on this passage. Uh, Our Bible reading this morning is from Psalm chapter 62, Psalm 62. The, The words will appear on the screen, or you can follow along in your Bibles at home as well, if you like. Psalm 62 says this, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence, surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from, from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighted on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken. Two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. And that is the reading from Psalm chapter 62 and I'm just going to hand over now to Marika who's going to, to preach to us this morning on that. Over to you Marika. Thank you. Uh, the BBC website reported that uh, during lockdown people have begun to speak far more to themselves and um, in a way this was what we do when we read a psalm uh, to ourselves because it's important what we are actually saying to ourselves and it's good to read aloud and to listen and to hear the, spirit, the word speaking to our soul and in a way David is speaking to himself in the New King James Version it says my soul waits silently for the Lord and um, that waiting, that being silent is a really important aspect of the disciplines of the people of faith. David knew that, particularly when there's so much turmoil in his life, as we know, when he later reflects on the forces against him. To wait silently, to quiet yourself, to listen well, listen deeply, because in a way, silence, uh, Eugene Peterson says, it's the prerequisite for hearing. So when we silence ourselves, we can hear the fresh word again. We can hear the footsteps of faith approaching. And uh, like James says, you know, be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's a good discipline to silence your soul. And secondly, what uh, David does in these first two verses, he positions himself. So he says, God is our, my rock. God is my refuge. He is my salvation. So he positions himself. And the choosing of that metaphor, the rock, is something he has chosen from daily life. Because we know that uh, David experienced quite a bit of enemies in his time. 
But we also know from the descriptions, for example, we read it in 1 Samuel 23, where David needs to hide from Saul who is pursuing him. And it says David stayed in the desert strongholds, so in the rock. And that Saul was pursuing him day after day, but God did not hand David into Saul's hands. So God was indeed a refuge. So, so in a way, when, when David uses this metaphor, it's from his daily life. It's from his experience. He knows God is a solid rock and a real refuge. He will not be shaken. That's how he positions himself. And um, what I like about this psalm is that that truth, which he says in these first two verses, the, the rock, salvation, the refuge, not being shaken. He, he places that in the first two sentences, but he repeats that in verse five and six. So that forms the structure of the psalm. And it's really important to see the structure of the psalm because the soul can so easily be dragged away in times of turmoil. But this forms the structure of the psalm. God is our rock, he's a refuge for David. And from that position, he then begins to look upon the enemies. And in verse 8, he will say, pour out your hearts to him. Well, he pours out his heart, uh, really, in terms of the numerous forces against him. So in verses 3 and 4, he will say there is verbal abuse. People are lying. His enemies are lying. They are cursing him. But there's also a physical threat to himself because they are aiming to throw him down. And the third aspect he is uh, reflecting on, this is quite relentless. This is enduring. Um, so he, he looks upon those forces against him from that solid position of God being the rock and being the refuge. His salvation comes from him and he can be trusted. And even we've seen in five, verses 5 and 6 that theme of hope. So when he looks upon his enemies in verses three and four, he starts with a question. And that question, how long? And when we see that question in the Old Testament, and we see that regularly in the Old Testament by the people of faith, they question, how long? Um, it is a sigh, it is a, uh, a, a cry. And it's not a question of a timetable. But it's a question which emerges because the, the reality in which David finds himself and other time when this question in the Old Testament is being asked, the reality in which David finds himself doesn't match up by the testimony of the God he is following and he is serving. There is a discrepancy. And that question emerges from, first of all, from a, a, a cry, a lament, a sigh, how long? Because if I think of the testimony of the character of God, I know he is powerful and I know he can intervene. How long? How long? So it's not a question which comes from unfaith, but it's a question which on the other hand is a deep confidence, an expression of deep confidence, because the help will come from God. So it's like a provocation to God to act but also an expression of deep confidence that he will come into sometimes unbearable situations in which David finds himself. The question, how long? And in a way, if we think over the last 
couple of weeks, we have seen that cry emerging, really rippling through the Western world when we saw once again the violence perpetrated uh, against a black man. And uh, that question arises, how long that lament comes forth? And um, I was thinking of the, the Christian football player, Colin Kaepernick, who several years ago, he, during an anthem on the football pitch, he bowed the knee. And he did that because he felt he could no longer stand um, for an anthem and a flag in a country which continues to oppress black people. And um, in the 60s, Martin Luther King, before he led with others the civil rights protest marches, he would have bowed a knee, not on the football pitch, but on the street, as an expression that he was believing in a different lordship, in a different rule, in a different reign. And they bowed to me in humble submission to God for him to intervene and for him to empower them to lead um, because they follow a different rule, a different reign, a different lordship. And when I think of the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the mighty God, if I think of, of the increase of his reign, there will be no end. That is the one we are bowing the knee to. That's the one that we are following. We are following a Lord who says, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness because you will be filled. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. So it's the disciples, like aching visionaries, who, who've got a glimpse of God's new day, of his rule and his reign, and who, who by bowing the knee say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How long, oh God? When we go back to the psalm, we see something really interesting. In the first seven verses, um, David will have spoken about I, me, my, mine. But then in verse eight, he all of a sudden changes and he becomes communal and he says, trust in the Lord at all times, you people, for he is our refuge. Pour out your heart to him, for he is our refuge. So all of a sudden from the I, me, mine, from this, this faith and this wonderful testimony that David is building up in his life. He begins to admonish, he begins to encourage the communal, the I becomes a we. And it made me think that's what we do in, in times of trouble. We come out of our silence, we come out of our positioning ourselves in that uh, solid faith we have in rock and we begin to encourage one another. Uh, it made me think of Jesus who says to uh, Simon, he says, Simon, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you turn around, you encourage, you strengthen your brother. The I becomes a we. Simon's faith begins to strengthen like David's faith begins to strengthen the communal. The I becomes we. Uh, on Monday, I was um, driving with a young refugee couple and uh, their toddler to Liverpool, to the home office uh, where they had a hearing. And uh, 
we uh, we arrived. Uh, I wasn't allowed into the building, so I was sitting on the pavement in front of the Home Office to wait for them uh, to come out. And while I was waiting, a young man arrived uh, with a letter in his hand, and he wanted to come into the Home Office, but they wouldn't let him in. And they shouted through the door, um, "We are closed." So I saw that, and I turned around and said, "Can I maybe help you?" And I looked at his letter, and indeed, he had a letter that he needed to be there Monday at 11 o'clock. Um, but um, the Home Office had failed to inform him that due to the coronavirus, the office would be closed. So he was shouted at through the window, but he didn't understand it. So I looked at it and uh, I understood that the Home Office in time would ring him. So he said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm waiting for my friends from church. Uh, they, they have got their hearing and they've been in for, for several hours and uh, I'm waiting for them. He said, oh, I'm a Christian. I, I've come all the way from Wigan. I'm from Iran. Um, I, I became a Christian and uh, my, my, my family doesn't want to know me anymore because we were Muslim and I become a Christian. And I said to him, well, so why are you, why are your friends from church not with you here why are you alone um, and he said well we just zoom in on a Sunday and I said well I know I know I know a very good church in Wigan and I texted the leader and his brother and and they came back to me straight away saying yeah we will contact him we will follow it up we have got a strong Iranian community as part of our church because the I needs to become a we someone shouldn't stand on his own in those type of situations there needs to be a communal encouragement. Ecclesiastic says uh, there was a man all alone without a son or a brother. Two are better than one because if life grows cold on one, two can keep warm. Is If one is overpowered, two can defend themselves. A three-fourth cord is not easily broken. So the I needs to become a we. The people of God with Christ interwoven is an unbreakable an unbreakable formula for life in a way and what david has done when we go back to the psalm all throughout the psalm he has inserted a little word and that word may be translated in your translation as only or alone or as truly or verily or certainly. Um, but that word, what, God, what David wants to do is by inserting that same word all the time, he hammers home that God is faithful. He is the rock on which our life is built. And he is the one who's got preeminence in our life. And from that up into verse 8, if we then look at the second part of the psalm, and David begins to look upon men again, the men around him, in a way compared to, to all of that certainty, to all of that salvation and hope and solidity and communal, when he then looks upon the man, he just thinks, well, they're just a breath. They are, if you weigh this on a scale, they are like nothing. And then he finishes with this wonderful, wonderful um, in a way, summing up that God is powerful. He is love. And he will reward those who earnestly seek him. So when we read a psalm, it's always good to read through the eyes of Jesus, who himself had many antagonizing forces against him. People mocked him. They hurled abuse at him. They... Um, he, he was flogged, he, he died, crucified uh, on the cross. 
He died in weakness, Paul says, but he was raised in power. And when Peter, Simon Peter says, you know, who had received all this prayer from Jesus, when Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says on this rock, I will build my church. And as Jesus was praying for Simon Peter, he is still praying for us. We know that from Romans 8, 26, he is advocating. The spirit is advocating for us, interceding for us. And in Romans 8, 34, Christ, the exalted Christ, he is interceding for us. So that within all the antagonizing forces, that there will be an overcoming people of God who know that nothing can separate it from them love of God from the power of God which we experienced in our salvation in Christ Jesus. So to sum it up really I want to finish with a text which I received from Sister Dolores um, a few weeks ago I texted uh, Sister Dolores and said uh, you know they've asked me to speak from Psalm 62 and within a few minutes I got this text back um, Sister Dolores saying to me, Psalm 62 tells us that God is our only true refuge. The repetition of the word only and alone emphasizes this exclusive right to our full, undivided trust. Among the many beautiful ways in which he is presented are uh, the source of our salvation, our rock, our defense, the basis of our expectation, our glory, our refuge, the source of power and the fountain of mercy. Repeatedly he assured us that he is the fountainhead of power and love. Hallelujah. We must maintain our unwavering confidence in our Lord as we journey through the wilderness of this world. May God's abundant blessing rest upon you. Amen.